Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. What is going on, Broncos country? You're listening to another edition of the Orange Weekly Postgame Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Lee, but filling in for an absent Jeff Ryan is the main man of Orange Weekly. He's the founder. He pretty much makes the Orange Weekly world go round. (laughs) Kev Dan, what is going on? Not much, man. I'm just glad to be here on another podcast. It's been... uh Obviously, a short and busy week with uh, you know game the next game against the Chiefs on Thursday. Uh, so I've been able to not only do my shows but uh, hop on some of the podcasts too to help out with how busy this week's been and uh, just a it's a fun time to hang out with you guys and talk some more Broncos. Well, we definitely appreciate everything you do for Orange Weekly. You are, like I said are the guy that makes it uh, go. So we really appreciate and just call it. me the Godfather, uh, the Godfather of Orange Weekly. Uh, we we can do that. <laughs> I like that. I like it has a nice ring to it. Uh, <laughs> But uh, we finally get to talk about another Broncos win, two in a row. First home win of the season, Vic Fangio's first home win as an NFL head coach. 16-0 over the Titans, a game that saw our defense dominate in ways we really haven't seen probably since the Super Bowl 50 season. Offense had bright spots, yet just couldn't find the consistency. Uh, What was your overall take? uh, I guess overall the first thing is we shut out an opponent. Uh, we were able to, the defense came out now for the second week in a row and I mean, improved even more than, you know, the first one we had. And, and so these guys are really coming together, even though we've had all these injuries on the defense, uh, well, all of us were sitting here every time we lost somebody, you know, uh, Bosby goes down or Bradley Chubb goes down all of us. Are, oh God, you know, like this is. This is going to hurt. This is going to suck. There goes our season. And these guys are bringing it together incredibly nicely. Uh, And so to see that two weeks in a row just gives me even more hope for the season in general. And the offense is not too far behind. Uh, They've been showing the same improvement every every single week. Um, This last week, the third quarter did not suck for us like it has, you know, (laughs) first it was like the whole game. Then it was like three quarters, then the second half, then the third quarter. And yeah, they still kind of stalled out a little bit, but... There was, you know, look, we're facing the Tennessee defense. You know what I mean? A lot of it was let's play conservative and play that field position game because either Tannehill or Marcus Mariota are not going to be the guys that drive down the field 80, 75, 80 yards. So let's keep them in that on their side of the field uh, and put us in a position to win this game, which is exactly what happened. Um, 
So the offense did their part as well. And, I mean, special teams, Spencer had that run back. My overall impression, dude, wow. Just wow. Yeah, it was great to see. It was great to see a game finally not come down to the last few moments. Uh, and the Broncos take care of business. Um, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Spencer because he's been kind of a bright spot, I think, that's kind of gone unnoticed. I mean, He's had a few decent returns here and there, but he, the main thing is he's catching the ball and making smart decisions of when to fair catch and when to let it go. Yeah, uh, there were some reports, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, uh, uh, I think there was like one story I read that was talking about, uh, you know, his coaches are saying, don't don't feel the ball if it's within the 10, you know, just let it go. Um, and he still kept trying to do it. So like, this kid's not listening. If he's not, I think it was, even Mike Kliss or someone, I think the Denver Post wrote this, you know, hey, we need to send a message and cut this guy if he's not willing to listen to the coaching staff. And in some regards, I mean, he has. That was a concern early on that, hey, this guy's going to, you know, fumble the ball or muff punt and then, you know, the other team gets the touchdown or something. Uh, but he's done incredibly well. So as long as he stays uh, smart with whatever returns or fair catches he decides to make or letting it try to go in the end zone, if that means that, uh, the other team rushes down and, you know, downs it at the one-yard line. Okay. Like, that's just going to happen sometimes. But I'd rather that than making a dumb decision trying to, you know, trying to go for it at the five-yard line, muff it because you're getting, you know, punched in the face with the, you know, <laughs> defender coming barreling down on you. So that I, I'm okay with that. And, um, you know, Spencer is incredibly fast when she get him in the open. But uh, Yadam, Yadam with that block. Um I mean, that was probably one of the best plays I've seen from Yadam ever. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of, ever since he kind of got benched for Bosby, he's kind of maybe take a, took, he's taking a look in the mirror and, like, reevaluate himself. And he hasn't been too bad the last couple of weeks. Um, but, but like you mentioned earlier, it's kind of, it's the next man up philosophy. We have guys stepping up. Uh, Malik Reed, undrafted free agent from Nevada. Um, Demarcus Walker. I mean, we've been waiting two years to see this guy perform like he has the last couple of weeks. Now, I mean, the coaching staff last year that I won't name by name <laughs> only let him play four games and gave him a healthy scratch pretty much every week. But, I mean, he had two sacks Sunday. Um, two of our, I believe we end up with, what, six or seven sacks? Mm, seven. Seven, yep. yeah. I mean, that was – it's amazing what can happen when we finally get home to the quarterback and force takeaways. Um, Justin Simmons came away with another takeaway. Um mm-hmm. Who else had some? Chris, Chris Harris Chris, Jr. had his first. That's right. Chris Harris, uh, CHJ, finally had one. Um, and it just brings so much life to the to the football team, not just on defense, of course, but also on offense. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought you brought up a good point earlier, uh, talking about how we were playing against the Tennessee defense. And, you know, Tennessee's one of those teams, I always have trouble off the top of my head naming many defenders, but they're always a pretty solid defense. And Rich Gangrilla even said before the game, this would be the toughest secondary we faced up to this date. So, mm-hmm. with that said, I thought I thought the offense it, it did what it needed to do. I mean, it was nothing flashy. I think uh, Joe Flacco had uh, numbers of uh, he was eighteen for twenty eight for one seventy seven, no touchdowns, one interception. Which it would be nice to see him go a whole game without a turnover. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, we we pounded on the ground. Philip Lindsay fifteen carries for seventy yards and a touchdown. Royce Freeman, 11 carries for 34 yards. And then uh, we just spread the ball around all over the place, especially to Cortland Sutton, four catches for 76 yards. Are you surprised by his um, assurgence this year, or did you see that coming out of Cortland Sutton? 
I was the it's the production I was hoping to see from him. Uh, how many times have we drafted a wide receiver and you know oh it's our second year okay this is when it's start you know gonna be uh, start looking good and then it just doesn't fizzles out and we end up either having to cut him uh, usually not trading away because at that point he's not worth much. Um, so it, it's good to see that you know we've drafted a guy who is developing the way that we want him to uh, and. You know, with Manuel Sanders there, you know, taking away a lot of the focus from him because, you know, everyone's saying, get the ball to Manuel Sanders more. Well, the thing is, you know, you're putting him in double coverage. You know, Flacco's smart enough to know to not try that. Uh, so Manuel just isn't getting targeted as much, but that's opening the door for Cortland Sutton. And one thing we're going to have to watch throughout the season, uh, based off, you know, Coach Fian, you know, John Elway said nobody's on the trading block, but Emmanuel Sanders may still be on the trading block unofficially. Something to look for. But if we get Emmanuel Sanders, um, you know, Cortland Sutton's going to be the guy that's getting double and triple coverage uh, if we don't have another threat on the other side. So we're going to have to really look at finding another um, strong wide receiver on the other side of him. Um, but either way, he's going to keep progressing, I believe, especially under this coaching staff. Uh, that's going to lead him to be very productive and uh, strong. It really just kind of be the foundation of our wide receiver core. Yeah, he's definitely, I think, cementing himself going forward after this year being the Broncos' number one wide receiver for the foreseeable future. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, like you said, could possibly maybe be traded. Uh, he is due to hit free agency after the season. Not sure what that's going to mean for his time as a Bronco. Um, but I did read today, uh, speaking of Manuel Sanders, that he should be good to go for Thursday night's game. Mm-hmm. He practiced today, so that's yep. that's good news. It was It's always worrisome when you see a player like him that has a high uh, injury history go out and stay out for a whole game. But um, it looks like the Broncos yep. got some good news there. Um, I, I was looking here at the other uh, receiving stats uh, Royce Freeman, five catches for 42 yards. I'm really liking how the Broncos' offense has been incorporating him uh, with passes out of the backfield lately. Deshaun Hamilton had two catches for 25 yards. Noah Fant, two catches for 16 yards. Then he had Janovich, one catch for eight yards. Phil Lindsay, two for five. Fred Brown, one for five. And Emmanuel Sanders, one for zero. Um, I don't know about you, but I, would, I sure would like to see Noah Fant get more touches than just two. Yes, um, I know we're still developing him, and it's 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 tough to be a, a new tight end in this league. You know, uh, re- really good tight ends in this league are both capable to block and catch. Uh, what we re- what we need right now is more of a blocking tight end, and so that's why you're not seeing uh, Noah Fant, you know, going down the seam and do- doing that quick run those quick run routes to get open down the field uh, as much because. Our offensive line has been hurting and has been struggling. Now, they have been improving, but we need more of a blocking tight end right now, which is also good for him because that's what he has not been. He was not known as a blocking tight end in in college. And so now he's getting that experience. Uh, Next year or so, we we build up that uh, offensive line even more. Okay, that's going to open up Noah Fant to to do even more. But uh, I do want to see him get more production, at least more targets as the season goes on. and it's going to be one of those things, depending how the first half of the season goes, we have a couple more you know, really crucial games coming up. And that's going to kind of define how we approach these games you know, as the season goes on. But uh, I'm hoping for a pre- breakout game from this next week, but you can listen to the, uh, 
the take on that on the uh, Orange Weekly pregame podcast that <laughs> we did the other day. But in general, in general, Noah Fan I think also has a lot of potential. We just have to be smart about how we develop them. And I think we're doing a very good job right now of just being smart in how we're utilizing them. Yeah, I agree because I think he could be a cornerstone of the franchise going forward if he does develop like everybody thinks he can. Um, tons and tons of potential in him. Um, who gets uh, a game ball or multiple game balls from you on the offense side of the ball? Offensive side of the ball. Man, can I say Rick Scangarello? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the game plan is exactly what we what we needed to do. I know a lot of people were concerned about, maybe frustrated with how conservative we were playing, but to a large extent, I agree with how we were doing that. I mentioned that and talked about that earlier, so I'm not going to you know rephrase my own self, but uh, it's these game plans that Rick Scangarello is coming out with every week just keep improving. I mean, Coach Vangio is getting much better as a head coach every week. Scangarillo is getting better as a new offensive coordinator every week. The team in general is getting better every week. Uh, this is what we wanted to see two years ago. We didn't see two years ago. We didn't see last year. This is what a rebuilding team looks like. And it's probably the best case for a rebuilding team because we're seeing that improvement. improvement and now we're talking about not only beating and shutting out the Titans, who have a, a very strong defense, um, but now we have a chance to really match up against someone like Kansas City. And even with their injuries, uh, we're still in the conversation with that. So this last week's game against Tennessee kind of really showed us that this team is capable of doing those things, playing well for an entire game. Uh, and so for Scangarillo to be able to come out and once again, I think call a very smart game, which, you know, those defensive games, it comes down to smarts, and I think that's the perfect thing that we need to see. So uh, one big game ball from him. I like how you gave him the game ball and brought all that up because I think a lot of Broncos country forgets this is a brand-new coaching staff with a head coach that's in his first year, offense coordinator that's in his first year, and they are getting better and better every week. We are seeing that. And, you know, we, we don't know what the future holds for the rest of the season for the Broncos. They're playing better right now, but uh, – you know, say they do miss the playoffs, I think this coaching staff's already showing us the future's pretty bright in Denver and the culture's changing. Oh, uh, definitely. I know there's still talk about what's going to happen to John Elway in a few years, especially uh, after, gonna, you know, we're eventually going to see how Drew Locke pans out. And if he is somebody knock on wood for me who's listening to this, uh, if he ends up being a bust, which God, we cannot, I do not want to sit through that again. Um, but it's his his future's up in the air. But one thing I can I can, if I was a bet man, if I was Ray on his Rager show uh, here on Orange Weekly, I would fully bet on this coaching staff sticking around through any ownership change or GM change we might have in the future. So uh, these guys are doing really well in developing players. I mean, if we had half the number of injuries over the last you know in the last two seasons than we do now, I, I mean we experienced the season for that, you know, part of that reason is those injuries, we could not overcome them. And now we're seeing these players, it is that next man up mentality, but they're going, I think, above and beyond that. They're not just filling that place and doing uh, just as well. They're doing probably even better than anyone could have expected. I mean, Jackson, Johnson, Malik Reed, we could go down the list, even Yadam last week. So it's, it's impressive to see what these guys are doing for sure. 
I will give a game ball to Garrett Bowles. And, yes, I am back to calling him his last name because okay. I don't think, if, if my memory serves me he correctly, had one. I don't, did he have one this past week? He okay. had, he's had one in four See, games. See, that's he can have his name back for that. I mean, Yes, I agree. You know, his I name's agree. not getting called. Um, as far as I know, he hasn't given up too many sacks lately. He's, he's playing a lot better, and it took an awful performance against the Bears and some comments mm-hmm. made by John Elway, teammates, coaches, to, I think, like that fire. And, and he kind of said, okay, I got to get going or I'm going to lose my job. So um, I'll give a game ball to him. Um, it, it, no, I like it, man. I, I like it. I, I have, as for as much crap as we've oh, given yeah. him on Orange Weekly the last couple of years, even the beginning of this year, I think he is... If he's not one of the most improved player on the Broncos this season, he is going to be the most improved if he keeps this trend up. And I think we have to give a tip of the hat to Mike Munchak for that. I mean, I think we, you know, we we hyped him up all off season, and I think rightfully so. I think he's doing a really good job with the offensive line now. Ronald Leary, I will say, is, uh, maybe kind of taking Garrett Bull's place right now with the frust- yeah. for the frustrations around Broncos country on the offensive line. But uh, I guess somebody kind of has to. But uh, any other game balls on the offensive side of the ball for you? Man. I'm trying to think of somebody that's just uh, – because Cortland Sutton's an easy one. Um, Phillip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, those are easy Mm -hmm. ones. Um, I think the the main what I give is is the Skangarilla there. But all those guys, I think, I mean – those are just easy ones that they've all <clears throat> they all did really well last week. I agree. Uh, well, let's flip it on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we're talking about defense that held Tennessee to 41 total rushing yards, which is incredible. I mean, Derrick Henry, one of the most powerful runners in the NFL, was held to 15 carries for tw- only 28 yards, 1.9 yards per carry. Uh, we ma- <laughs> we made him switch quarterbacks because Marcus Mariota was seven for 18 for 63 yards in two interceptions. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill came in, went 13 for 16, uh, but only for 144 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. So uh, we and most most of those receptions that or passes he threw were in garbage time. We were just playing prevent, and so all of his players just wide open. He better hit those guys. So correct. Uh, those numbers look better, but if you think about what situation he was in, they they had better be better. <laughs> oh, and you're absolutely correct. And I loved seeing our defense hold Delaney Walker to only three receptions for 43 yards because if you've been a member of Broncos country for at least five years, if not longer, you know the struggles that the Broncos defense has had with really good tight ends, uh, pass-catching mm-hmm. tight ends especially. But, uh, I mean, we had a lot of guys on defense rack up some good stats. So uh, who uh, who gets a game ball for or who – gets game balls i should say from from you first one is easy purcell mm-hmm. holy crap this guy has walked in and you know i'm never gonna forget two weeks ago where we saw that you know pre-game uh, line change and adam got this with a healthy scratch and all of us are going uh <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um i don't know about this and it turned out to be an incredibly smart decision. Shelby Harris got moved over to the position he is naturally born to play. So that's been helping. Purcell has been a huge, huge reason uh, that the run defense has been so strong. I mean, only allowing 76 yards over two games against two really good running backs? Are you kidding me? That says something right there. So Purcell is probably uh, the the first one I want to call out because, uh, oh, and then with all that, Adam Gotsis now has got pushed down to third string which is kind of crazy to see uh, behind. So it's uh, Purcell, um, 
Walker and then Gotsis. So it's it's interesting, man. Which um, I think Demarcus Walker. I mean, I already talked about him earlier, but I think he gets a game ball from me. I mean, he had three tackles and two sacks, and and I think he's deserving of that backup spot behind uh, Purcell. So you know, kind of feel bad for Adam Gotsis, but the Broncos gave that guy a lot of chances, a lot of chances, yep. and I know it's his contract year. I believe it is at least, uh, but. You know, it's a it's a cutthroat league. You're not getting it done. I mean, even though you're a good guy, it, they took a flyer on him in the second round when they did. I mean, he's a very raw prospect, and uh, just unfortunately hasn't turned out too well for him. But uh, no, but I think that uh, there could be still some defensive situations where sure. you know we could plug him in, and mm. uh, so just because he's showing third string, it is kind of weird, but. Um, Man, if we know they're going to pass, I, I don't know if we want Purcell in there or Gotsis. You know what yep. I mean? Like we have that we have that option now, uh, and that's something interesting to see. That uh, you know, it, it has strengthened the trust I have in this coaching staff. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's nice so. to actually have competent players and a lot of depth <laughs> we can lean towards, unlike the last couple of years. So it's nice to yep. see. Uh, any other game balls? I'm sure you got probably a couple more. Johnson, 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 Johnson. <laughs> How many times did I say his name? Five times there? Five game balls to Johnson. Dino. Holy crap. Dino, as he's um, called. Dino, yeah. That's <laughs> the raptor. Yeah. The raptor. You know. <laughs> My wife is like, what the hell is he doing? I'm like, that's just what he does. That's his thing. Just let him do it. Yep. It's working. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, no, with that guy, oh, man, uh, between him and Jackson, those guys have done uh, – more than fantastic, man. Yeah, Kareem Jackson's been a great pickup by the Broncos. And, yeah, A.J. Johnson's – I mean, you know, um, um, Josie Jewell goes down and he just fills right in. And, honestly, he's playing a lot better than Josie Jewell was. Yep, so, uh, yep. Six tackles in a second half on Sunday. Um, I'll give a game ball to Derek Wolf. Three tackles and two sacks. Uh, the dude just – not only is he one of the toughest football players in the entire league, he just goes to battle every week, doesn't make excuses. He's a good teammate, a good leader of the defense, and and he does a lot of little things that people, you know, that go unnoticed, like uh, drawing double oh, yeah. teams, things like that, uh, making it available. I know Von Miller always gives Derek Wolf credit for a lot of his sacks, but uh, it was nice to see Wolf get in there and get two sacks of his own on Sunday. Yeah, and one of them came after he went off the field for an injury. Uh, yep. So, you know, like, I don't know if he's going to come back, and then he's back in there and gets a sack I mean, after. You're like, holy crap, dude. Like, you are literally a beast. He is, you know? he is Superman. I mean, after that Green Bay game when his ankle swelled up like a basketball, we thought he'd be out multiple weeks. He returns the very next week to play against the, <laughs> nope, I against got the Jaguars. <laughs> it's like, my God, he's tough. <laughs> so, um, anybody else? You know what? Because of that block, I am actually going to give Yadam a huge amount of credit and give him that game ball because, again, look, look, here at Orange Weekly, if any of you listen to our podcast or our shows and listen to me especially, I mean, I will <laughs> I will call out somebody uh, egregiously if I think that they are just doing absolutely god-awful. You know what I mean? I will not pull any punches. And uh, two weeks ago after the Jacksonville game, I went on several rants about Isaac Yadam. I even started calling him Isaac Ye- Hold'em. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I was like, okay, Garrett Bowles can have his name back, and now we're on to Isaac Hold'em. You know? yep. um, but holy crap, this guy came out, and no penalties against. He wasn't out there as often, but still, when he was out there, uh, he did his part. And if, if we want to look – now, I don't want to jinx this again, but – 
if we want to look at a, a play that was a turning point for this team, I one of the plays I would point to is that kick return. Um, the block that he had that gave Spencer that, that space to run. Um, I mean, when's the last time we saw a play like that on special teams in general? It's been a long time. Um, it's one of those things any inexperienced player would have just gone for the block in the back. There's a penalty, goes back, you know, that run is negated. Uh, and the way he just maneuvered in front of that defender just so he'd run into him, but it wasn't a penalty, you know, I mean, it was just, it was perfect. And uh, that's also just giving me hope that this guy is also improving as well. And in uh, special teams just gives me a better, you know, more confidence moving forward as well. And uh, speaking of special teams, I'm not going to give a game ball to him, but it was nice to see uh, Brandon McManus hit a field goal over 50 yards. Yeah, he broke his yeah. record or his uh, streak there, yeah. Which, I think it was seven, seven in yeah, a row he had missed. Which I know he has a great streak of uh, making field goals inside of 50 yards. He has like the third best uh, streak in, in within 50. It's, it's nice to – It'll, it's nice to hopefully that springboards him to get consistent with his kicks because he's going to get a lot of opportunities from over 50 yards, and uh, he's too good a kicker to miss seven in a row. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, completely so, agree. Um, what we usually do on this podcast is uh, we, of course, pick games around the NFL, but I got a few topics I want to uh, – or questions, discussions, I don't know what you want to say okay. before we get there. Um, first off, Chris Harris, Jr., he got a pick uh, the other day. Uh, I know we're a ways away from free agency, but I want to get your take as of right now. Um, what do you think the chances are he's a Bronco come next year and in the foreseeable future with him being the upcoming free agent? It's tough, man. Uh, I think initially, big picture, he's going to have to take a pretty big hometown discount. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows he's going to be worth a whole lot more money. Um I'm hoping that when he sees, I mean, what his comment a, a couple weeks ago after the Jacksonville loss was, I only have 13 weeks left, mm-hmm. you know, um, was a big indicator that, holy crap, maybe this guy's going to be a cancer in the locker room. Uh, this is somebody that we want to get rid of sooner than later. He doesn't even want to be here to begin with. Uh, but after hearing him talk uh, in the post-game press conference uh, this last week, uh, he, he's, he's energetic. He's excited. Um, and so if this team keeps improving where, hey, in the next couple of years, we could be looking at making a serious run. Yeah, he's going to be a little older, but I think he still has – I don't know how old he is to begin with, if you can look that up yeah. for me. Um, but I think he's still going to have enough speed and agility to be able to keep up with pretty much anyone. You look back to Champ Bailey, who I absolutely love and was honored this last week at the Bronco Stadium. Um, but in his last year there, I mean, he, he had definitely lost his step. You know, the reason that uh, we lost uh, with, I think it was against uh, Baltimore the year before in Peyton Manning's first year was because he just got beat deep. Um, and the Super Bowl 48 year, you know, he wasn't doing anything, you know. And I, I don't think uh, Chris Harris Jr. is that close to being, um, you know, forced into retirement, if you will. So did you look that up? Yep, he uh, turned 30 in June, so he'll be 31. I think he's year. got... I think he's got five years left. So if he wants to stay at home, take a bit of a hometown discount, um, I think more than a bit, but at least something to say, hey, I want to stick with this team after seeing, okay, we finally have competent head coach. We finally have some uh, some progress and momentum. The next couple of years actually do look brighter. Um, we can take on teams like Kansas City, the Patriots, and have a very good chance to win, if not be the favorite to win, make a, play, uh, a deep playoff run. I think that's going to be, 
uh, more in, in his decision uh, as to if he wants to stay or not. Um, so I think there's a chance he stays. Uh, if he doesn't, if he's not willing to take a hometown discount, then there's no chance we keep him. I agree. It's on the other side. It's it's that short and easy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's made comments in the past that he wants to finish his career at Denver. You know, this is home. He loves it here. But I think the price has to be right for him. But we're going to try to get him to take that hometown discount. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, he was hard to bargain with this past year when he he finally settled on a one year uh, deal for what uh, was it. Was it twelve million or fourteen million? I don't remember. But, I can't remember. But uh, would you say which of these two players do we think has a better chance of being in a Bronco uniform come next year, Manuel Sanders or Chris Harris Jr.? Chris Harris Jr. I agree. I agree. We got Cortland Sutton, and yep. if we could get another uh, equally talented, um, or maybe just a little less talented mm-hmm. than Sanders for less money, you know, it's going to open up that pass game like we we're seeing it uh, uh, open up now. Uh, but in terms of Chris Harris Jr., like we have good, we have good players in the backfield right now. You know, we get Bossy back. We maybe make a couple moves in the uh, the off season free agency or whatnot. Uh, he's not going to be easy to replace, but it's much more. It's it's a lot easier to uh, replace Sanders. So if we have to pick one of the two, I'm going to pick CHJ. I, I agree, hundred percent. You, you kind of said everything I was thinking. So. <laughs> What, what? That's what I'm that's, talking that's about. That's why you're the godfather of Orange Weekly. <laughs> uh, got two more questions here, and this one's kind of a – this could be a fun topic of discussion. Mm. It's one that I saw going around on Twitter today, and I'm like, uh, this is going to be one of those topics that could be talked about all year, couldn't it? Well, with the play of Kyle Allen in uh, Carolina, he's playing really well. Cam Newton's hurt. When Cam does get healthy, I, I honestly don't think that Carolina's going to switch back to him. Uh, that makes me think he's going to have a new destination next year. I saw somebody on Twitter bring up maybe the Denver Broncos could be a landing spot for Cam Newton. Thoughts on that? No. (laughs) And it's not that I just can't stand that guy. One, he's not going to be willing to be a backup. And the whole focus the next several years is going to be developing Drew Locke and seeing if he's a bust or not. Drew Locke's going to have at least two years in that position. Uh, now, there is talk also if we have a playoff, we do knock on wood somebody once again. I hate the idea of jinxing us, but uh, if we are able to get in the playoffs, uh, I think uh, Joe Flacco is at least going to start next season again. Uh, but eventually, whenever Drew Locke does start, he's going to have two seasons to really kind of show if he's a bust or not. So in that time, sure, we get Cam Noon. He is not going to be happy with being a backup. Um, you know, the, the pouty face he had after Super Bowl 50, I think it's going to just be permanent because uh, nobody's going to care what outlandish, uh, you know, costume he's wearing every week or whatever, you know. Um, I just don't think that uh, it'd be worth it, to be honest with you. Um, I'd rather pick up somebody else in the draft and have them be the backup or Kevin Hogan, to be honest with you. I'd rather have them be the backup because I think they're going to approach the position, uh, you know, with uh, – What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're going to approach it well, you know, like Peyton Manning did. You know, I don't care if, you know, Peyton Manning's like, I know I, I'm the starter, but I have been out of it for a couple of weeks. What they're doing is working. I'm going to be the best damn backup I can be. Cam Newton will in no way, shape, or form approach it with that kind of mentality. And so I think it's, uh, that's an interesting concept, but I don't want him near our team, to be honest with you. Yeah, the reason I brought it up was because I know Joe Flacco's got that contract where the Broncos could let him go after this year with no money loss. And now they changed well, it. They did change it. His his yeah. So that was his original agreement, and now if we were to let him go, we'd have thirteen point something million in uh, dead money. 
that was that was a weird thing with the adjustment of why did we change it to where we're going to have dead money if we cut them. So, but yes, okay. it's going to be like 13 something million. That kind of changes that question then. Okay. Okay, because you know, I was thinking, well, they could let Flacco go with no money and I I personally if they don't go with Joe Flacco, I, I want to give Drew Lock a chance, of course. I think all yep. Broncos country does. But sometimes even though we all love John Elway, he makes strange quarterback decisions, and he tries that to. That was a strange quarterback he, decision. He, Nobody really talked about it. I did read about it when it happened because uh, somebody else was talking about how we could let him go for no, no. money, and then I saw I was like, no, it's that's been reconstruct, uh, reconstru- uh, pff, rebuilt, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, yep. <laughs> and now it's uh, he has some dead money attached to him if we let him go. Okay, so yeah. I saw, but, but not to interrupt, yeah. but Joe Flacco would approach the backup position with the right mentality. Yeah. He says, okay, I see what the organization wants to do. If that's what's best for this organization, I will be the backup. I have no problem with that. So, again, uh, even him, I think he'd be just fine as a backup uh, if we need And he handled it well in Baltimore last year when he got replaced by Lamar Jackson. Uh, I just thought it was interesting to bring up because I'm sure uh, between all of our shows, uh, that's going to be asked at some point. So I'm giving you a little uh, pre-drill workout there. (laughs) Before tonight's show? Okay. Okay. Uh, And one more question. This is just kind of a fun one. We broke out the blue alternate jerseys, uh, kind of in honor of uh, Champ Bailey because he wore those mm-hmm. for most of his career in Denver. Uh, do you like the blues? Uh, I mean, would you? At least, in my opinion, I liked them when they wore them all the time, but I was really happy when they switched to the orange. So I, I like that they uh, only wear them a couple times, but dang, they do look sharp. They look sharp, but I think the fact we only wear them once or twice a year makes them look even more yeah. sharp. You know, mm-hmm. I do love the original blue. Half my jerseys are blue, half of them are orange. Um, but I love, you know, um, you know, we bleed blue and orange. Uh, Broncos country, um, you know, everything is orange now, and so it's it makes sense for our primary color to be orange. That's a fun question, yeah. man. I never really thought about it, but. Um, while I love the the blue jerseys, I, I like how it's our alternate now. And when we bust them out, it's it's refreshing on the eyes, if you will. You know, it, it does stand out and makes them look a, a lot sharper uh, than they already are. But uh, I I also love that they switched to orange uh, as their primary. And uh, um, I'd I if they could just swap every other home game, yeah. that'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't mind them wearing like if if a team on if if we're on the road and a team wants to wear white for whatever reason, say like Dallas, they wear white at home a lot. Um, right. Wearing the blues instead Bust out of our blues. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Um, and I wouldn't mind throwing the uh, new school, old school uh, color rush helmet with those blues. I think that looked pretty sharp. There's been a lot of talk about that. A yep. lot of talk and. Dude, I completely agree. Um, if you see the jerseys I wear on Orange Weekly, I mean, I have the logo in the, you know, on the side. I also have them on the arms because some teams have their logo on the arms or their shoulders and stuff. I like to see us maybe not change our jersey, uh, but add a little something to it, yeah. uh, a piece of flair, yeah. if you will. Uh, we don't need 15 pieces of flair, no. but two or three would be cool. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we could update our jerseys just by adding a couple little things like that, just like a, the emblem on the upper uh, left-hand side or something on the shoulder, you know. Um, but to put that old-school logo on our helmet with the current Broncos logo on our jersey, I think that'd be – the helmet alone would look freaking snazzy, yeah, man. Yeah, would, and I could see Nike trying to make a little 
readjustment to the Broncos jerseys and or uniforms coming soon because they redid the Jets this past year. Um, Jaguars not too long ago. A um, couple other teams mm-hmm. I can't think of off the top of my head. So it might be time. They haven't really touched them since uh, they switched to the primary color of orange in 2012. So. Well, and I mean, we haven't – it's still the original – the the style is still the same it's just primary orange mm-hmm. now so the broncos uniform was developed what was that back in 1999 97 no, uh, i believe 97 because yeah. it was yeah we had the new ones for the uh the two super bowls mm-hmm. there so 97 i remember seeing that in the the newspaper you know when they were trying out the new uniform and everything and uh how big of a deal that was so uh we're we're talking 22 years now since it's been adjusted. Yeah, we swapped it to orange, but the style of the jersey itself has not changed. So, yeah, what, yeah I think it could use just a little something to bring it to life. Wasn't there a lot of backlash when they switched? Yep. Yeah. Yep. There was a lot of backlash because, I mean, they hadn't switched. I mean, their jersey had been the same since they freaking changed it from that brown and yellow color, oh, you know, back in the bro. 1960s. Oh, I know. I'm so glad we don't wear the, the old school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like the Green Bay Packers and the oh, Steelers God. do. Steelers come yeah. out looking like bumblebees. I'm like, I see what you guys are doing, but stop. <laughs> You're not helping yourselves out at all. And then Green Bay looks like, you know, Michigan or something uh-huh. like that. You know, it's like, wait, are we playing Michigan <laughs> or the Packers? Um, but, uh, yeah, we don't need to do that one. Uh, they did wear that one several years ago uh, in a game. Yeah, it was, I think it might have uh, even been the 90s, but it was the only time. We well, they actually, that. it was in 2009. That's because that was the first year I became a Bronco oh, fan. Man. Was it? And okay. it was the anniversary of the AFL. I forget what year. That's why. And like the whole AFC, I believe, wore throwbacks uh, at least a couple times that year. So it was. Yeah, if we if I never see that jersey again, that uniform again, I'll be happy. They can be but, burnt uh, for all I care. <laughs> that's a good question, though, man. I, it it adds some Broncos history yeah. in there as well, you know. And that's uh, it's fun to talk about what's going on now, but just the history mm-hmm. of the Broncos in general is just uh, it's it's something I I mean I have a DVD set about the history of yep, the Broncos. You know, it's it's something I'm really interested in, and so being able to talk about stuff like that, man, it's it's fun. Yeah, we like to do that from time to time on the post game podcast because there's only so much no, you can cover good. about the game, and then the Broncos have such a rich history. It's kind of fun to dive back into some of it and uh, talk about it. So uh, totally agree. Want to pick some games for Week Seven? Yes, I have some coming up. Uh, sorry for all the banging here in the background there. It's me being clumsy. Um, one thing I'm interested in seeing is the Cowboys-Eagles game. There has been some legitimate talk about Garrett getting fired, which <laughs> I always figured that would never happen under Jerry Jones because they're, you know, they basically have sleepovers at each other's houses, I guess, on the weekends. They order some pizza and watch some scary movies or something. I don't know. But it's like, how has this guy not been fired yet? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. So yeah. I think that's going to be a big game to watch because not only is it a huge rival game, um, but, man, if the Cowboys blow this one as well, I think there's – I mean, he could get fired after that game. You know what I mean? If they get blown out. Yeah, I think Jerry Jones made some interesting comments after the game. Uh, he definitely was not very happy. I mean, they lost to the Jets, who were just terrible. Um, yep. And, and this is kind of for control of the NFC East because, let's be honest, the Redskins are definitely not winning the NFC East. The Giants, no. So it's going to be the Eagles or the Cowboys. And uh, both these teams, 3-3, three and three, both teams need a win. Um, I'll take the Cowboys at home. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I do not mind the Cowboys. A lot of, if you're watching, if you're listening to this podcast, this might be something I asked tonight. Uh, and you are a Broncos fan who hates the Cowboys. I don't know why. 
Like, I just, I never understood why so many Broncos fans just absolutely hate the Cowboys. Uh, could it be, um, and I'm from Indiana, so please correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but could it be that there's a lot of Cowboys fan in, fans in Colorado? It might be. I, I always thought it might be just the proximity mm-hmm. uh, thing that uh, kind of puts us in that situation uh, where, you know, if, you know, we're neighbors and therefore we don't like sure. each other because of that rivalry, you know, but uh, I mean, they're so like devoted to hating on the Cowboys. I'm just like, what? Why don't you use your effort on hating the the Raiders exactly, or the, the Chiefs yeah. that hard? You know, yeah. like you absolutely disdain the Cowboys, but you only kind of sort of hate the Raiders. I'm like, wait, 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 hold on yeah, a second. That doesn't make sense. So I mean, I don't. It honestly, and maybe I don't want to lose viewers over this, <laughs> but if I had a if I had to pick an NFC team, uh, not that I have any other favorite team, but sure. if I had to pick one, I would probably pick the Cowboys. Okay. I I like their history as well, you know, and. Um, I don't like Jerry Jones and I don't like Jason Garrett, but I don't know. They're just like the other team that I wouldn't mind seeing win sometimes. So I like to see them win as well. And if we just lose 10,000 fans because I said that, then well, that's on me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's interesting. You brought that up because yeah, the Broncos only play the Cowboys once every four years and they have, they met in one Super Bowl. Um, But besides that, there's, we lost that Super Bowl. That was a long time ago. uh, that was, Let it go, guys. Oh, you got that. Ooh, look at that. Uh, it's like a nice little cheat sheet for that you. That was back in uh, Super Bowl 12, 27 to 10. Man. Yep. 12. Yep. Yep, that was that. That might have been our first one. That was the first one. That was that 77 yep. team with the really good Orange Crush defense. That's what I need. Nobody else can see this because they're listening, but uh, just get some posters yeah. of some like NFL history stuff, and I can use it as cheat sheets. Well, back in uh, Super Bowl twelve, make it sound like you're really smart, but you just have this like poster standing right here. Uh, you know, uh, I, I might have that strategically <laughs> placed down here, so when Super Bowl stuff comes up, I just kind of do a little little crack, huh. little back crack. Look, here. I got this. Uh. <laughs> That's why you got that mic that you can just put over uh-huh. your your face. You don't, yeah, okay, okay. I like your mobility uh-huh. factor there. Uh-huh. Okay, what's one of your games that you're looking for? Um, yeah, let's see here now that my phone decided to exit out of the app. Um, a big AFC South matchup, Texans at Colts. Hmm. <laughs> Especially since they are the two teams that beat the Chiefs so far. And we play the Colts next week at Indianapolis. I'm, I'm going to wait until after this Thursday night game. Um, but as it stands right now, I'm kind of more afraid of playing the Colts than the Chiefs. Because the Chiefs are so banged up right now. No, I, I and, and the Broncos just don't play good at Lucas Oil. They just don't. I don't know why. Um, and, and I'll be there. So hopefully, uh, fingers crossed. Hopefully, I can bring in some good luck. But I think I'm. There we go. I think, there we I go. I think I'm one in three or one in four when watching the Broncos in there. But I won. I yeah. won the last one two years ago. So uh, okay. I'm going to take the Colts at home against the Texans. I, I really don't know why because they're they're coming off a bye week, but they did have that huge win at Arrowhead. But as did the Texans, um, I just I just feel like they get it done. I think they got a little more healthy over their bye weeks, so uh, I like the Colts at home. Uh, I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, yeah, Pat Mahomes was injured when they played him two weeks ago. I mean, he still is, mm-hmm. uh, but they held the Chiefs to 13 points. And I, I need to go back and look at the numbers, but I think that's one of their lowest-scoring games in the last several seasons, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, the, the offensive line – for the Colts is probably one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. And you're wondering why Jacoby Brissett is doing so well. It's because it has a beast of an offensive line, you know, and their, their run game's working, their pass game's working. And it's, it just shows exactly what I've always said is 
the focal point of the offense is the offensive line. You live and die by the offensive line. And so to see this team go in, I mean, I don't know if we're going to have any. So this is for the pregame podcast next week or, you know, yeah, next week. But um, it's going to be interesting to see because both those teams are doing pretty well. And uh, I just don't see how uh, the Texans are going to overcome that strong offensive line and Jacoby Brissett. And I just don't think that uh, the Texans are going to do that well on the road against them. Yep. It should be a good one. It's got to be an interesting one because one of those teams are coming out of the AFC South. It's not the Titans or the Jaguars. So, yep. 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 You got any others? Uh, I got one. Uh, I got one more. I think will be a good one. The Ravens at the Seahawks. Hmm. Why is that? Well, these are. I don't disagree. Yeah, these are two really good uh, defenses. Um, two teams that well. The Seahawks finally have a decent passing offense. I think I honestly think Russell Wilson right now is playing as well as any quarterback in the league. Um, hmm. I think he's okay. I think he's right up there. If the season ended today, I think he has a strong point to be MVP of the league, in my opinion. So, uh, sure. and, and Lamar, you know, he shows he can win in tough environments. They can really run the ball, but can they consistently pass the ball? It's a question. Uh, and I like the Seahawks. I actually, in my preseason predictions, I have the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. So, I have huh. to kind of stick with that, and they're four and one so far. So they're making me kind of look smart. But well, <laughs> let me ask you this then: uh, you got the NFC Championship game, Seahawks versus 49ers. Who do you take? Oh man, uh, I almost want to see where that game is going to be played uh, because I I like this 49er team a lot right now. I, I like uh, what Kyle Shanahan's doing, and their defense is nasty. Um, I think it's going to come down to home yeah, field, I but think, I could yeah. 100% see the NFC Championship game going uh, Seahawks and 49ers. Isn't it nuts that the Rams have already kind of almost played themselves out of that division? Yeah, pretty I much. Mean, and uh, Keep Tlaib just went on IR. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they lost him. So And they traded Marcus yeah. Peters yep. to the Ravens. Yep. So, so man, uh, that's going to be a good game, though. I think those two teams mm-hmm. are going to have a, a hell of a game, and I'm, I'm really interested in just following uh, – uh, the 49ers. I'm glad we don't have to play him mm. again, but uh, um, it seems like Niddle really made a name for himself last year. Kittle. Uh, when oh, he gosh. Us, he's, you know, he's a And beast. I think that's when he, he had a breakout game, and now he's doing he's being a, a fairly decent, if not a really good tight yeah, he's end. he's a beast. Um, last one, if you don't mm-hmm. mind. Oh, so who, who are you taking in that game? Uh, Seahawks. Yep. Seahawks. I think you said that. Uh, they're in Seattle? Yep. Yep. Then, yep. yep that's yep. an easy call. <laughs> um, the last one. Okay, so who's who's in second place in our division right now? It's the Raiders, isn't it? It's the freaking Raiders. I think I Raiders. just threw up You're in my mouth, me, Kevin. Right? It is. I know, right? Um, and they're not that good of a no, team. They're not going to stay there. Uh, not by any shot. Um, the interesting thing, thing is, again, not to jinx us, if we beat the Chiefs and then we, you know, we find a way to tie them so we have that tiebreaker, actually the Raiders would be in, number, in, in first place. Yeah. Which is, can you imagine that? Like, Oh, if we beat the Chiefs, it, it throws the whole division up in the air and it turns our season around completely. I mean, we, we have a whole other outlook on the season. So uh, it's yep. going to be a fun game Thursday. Well, uh, Raiders are playing the Packers. And so, uh, wait, am I looking at the right? Yeah, week week yeah, seven. At Lambeau. Uh, at Lambeau. Packers. Uh, Packers yep. should have lost last night, in my opinion. and They should have. They, they might have got a little help from the refs. Uh <laughs> But uh, yeah. the Packers don't lose at Lambeau very often. Aaron Rodgers is too tough. Uh, they find a way to beat the beat the Raiders. 
Uh, I, I think that's really going to kind of define who the Raiders are. I really do not think they're that good of a team. Um, and they're getting a lot of credit right now for being 3-2. And, two, and uh, it just it doesn't make any sense if you ask me. So I'm hoping the Raiders go on the road to uh, Lambeau and just get embarrassed. Maybe they found some uh, secret well or something over the bye week and they get like their 0-16 talent potion going again yeah. or something and they're just going <laughs> to lose out or something they're gonna bomb mm-hmm. i think they're just having luck with some early season yeah. games i mean uh the fact they beat us that was a week one fluke if you ask me um in some regards mm. but uh because instead of being two and or th- uh, three and two they'd be two and three mm. you know what i mean and that's a totally different team so i think over the course of the season but uh, i'd like to see uh, the packers kind of make a statement oh, to yeah. say hey we sh- we we deserved to have won last week not relying on the refs and let's just beat up on the Raiders some. Yeah, and then the Packers are, I mean, they're they're a legit NFC contender. I mean, they're, oh, their yeah. defense is pretty good, too, and it doesn't get talked about a lot. So, Yep, completely agree. So those are some good games, man. There's going to be a lot to look for on yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Especially with the Broncos not playing, I can sit back and just enjoy watching football, which I don't do much during the I, I know, season. I know. <laughs> Especially if we get a huge win Thursday night, it'll be nice just to relax. Knock on wood root, for lo- whoever's listening, please. Root against the Raiders, and, yeah, life will be good. <laughs> So, yeah, man, uh, why don't you let everybody uh, know what's going on uh, with the Orange Weekly? Or I should say what's not going on because <laughs> what's oh, man, that's going to be a shorter story of the what's not going on. Um, I need re- I need you to really like to sit down and write a script so I don't forget stuff. Uh, guys, Orange Weekly, we are here purely for you guys. Me and Tanner and the rest of the Orange Weekly crew, we talk Broncos football amongst ourselves every day of the week during the season. Uh, and that's fun and all. But the reason we started this whole thing was to be able to talk to you guys, the fans. So not just through these podcasts, um, but uh, through the the live shows and the other videos we do. Uh, We got the Monday night show, Orange Weekly After Dark, starts 9 p.m. Mountain Time, uh, usually ran by Jason. Uh, The lesser, uh, the not as good looking Dan Dina. Just saying there. Um, and then uh, Tuesday night, Beer Broncos, no BS, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. We go live on Facebook as well. We got the, the post-game podcast, this one right here. We got the pre-game podcast, this one, or the, the one that goes up usually uh, by Friday, if not Saturday. Uh, this week, obviously, it's up all right. If you guys want to listen to the pre-game Denver versus the Chiefs uh, podcast there on wherever you're listening to this one. Um, let's see. We have a... A Sunday morning show, uh, Broncos Brunch, starts at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. We got Ray's Ragers. Uh, if you guys are uh, into sports betting at all or just interested in hearing uh, what Vegas is predicting for the game, Ray does a good job in about 5-10 minutes really breaking down what lines he's taken for the day. And uh, he's helped uh, us at Orange Weekly win a lot of money. He's actually doing really well on the season, man. This guy, Ray knows what he's talking about when it comes to sports betting. Um, he's doing really well. So if you guys want to check out the Ragers show on Saturday night, if not Sunday morning, uh, it's pre-recorded, it's not live, but gives you a really good idea of what bets you can take for the day. And then the other thing is our halftime hash. Holy crap, this show is probably one, uh, it's, I mean, all of our shows are popular. I think this one is the most popular because nobody else, at least for the Broncos, does a halftime show. Uh, and so what does everyone do when halftime starts? They pick up their phone. They start going through mm-hmm. Facebook or whatever. So they go get a snack or a new beer or whatever. Um, so, I get, guys, I guarantee you, as soon as you pick up your phone for halftime, we will be live. So if you want to talk to us about what your thoughts are for the, for the first half and instead of listening to the announcers or whatever, pick up that phone, see where we're at, uh, and we will be live for the halftime show. So, guys... 
during the during the regular season and everything, we have you covered uh, more than any other Broncos group, if you ask me. Uh, we are your one-stop source for talking Broncos, and just uh, we're not experts or anything, but we just love hearing others' opinions. And I'll let them know how they can join our Patreon if they want to. Patreon.com slash Orange Weekly, or just go to Patreon.com and search for Orange Weekly, uh, however you decide to do it. Uh, yeah, guys, uh, we set this up so we can provide you guys better content. So any donations you give us does not go in, in my pocket. Um, I think Tanner here would would kind of demand <laughs> that I, I give all the money to him, but I would say no, not for you. <laughs> so none of this money goes into our pockets, guys. It's it's purely based on or for us to buy better cameras, better mics, better computers, everything we can do to just give you guys better shows and better podcasts. So in addition to that, if you donate, you're going to be entered to win a prize uh, for that month. So we do a monthly giveaway, uh, and you're going to be entered in a, a chance to win that, and then also entered into a chance to win the end of the season prize, which right now I think we're looking at uh, a pretty good jersey, a, a decent quality jersey. Um, haven't decided which one yet, uh, but so even if you donate one dollar for one month, you're gonna get entered into winning the monthly prize and that end of the season prize. Also, when not if, but when the Broncos win in the month that you donate, you get five additional entries to the end of the season prize. So something to just consider, guys. We appreciate all your guys' support, all you listeners, all the people who view our uh, Facebook videos and everything. Uh, but uh, any con- contributions you can make to our Patreon. Uh, is just icing on the cake and helps us uh, give you guys better content. And where can they find us on social media? Man, <laughs> everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Yep. We're starting the YouTube stuff up. It's kind of taking off slow, but uh, we're there. Uh, what other Instagrams are there? Or, uh, <laughs> Twitter. I, I tried a Snapchat. That's not really taking yeah. off, though. Um, but, yeah, those are the main ones. If you want to find us on any of those, I mean, we're going to be there. Just search for Orange Weekly. Yep, and Orange you're Weekly. Not going to have a, yep. you're not going to have a problem finding us. Nope. Nope. We are uh, anywhere talking Broncos. So we got you covered, like Kevin yep. said. So, well, Kevin, uh, really appreciate you filling in for Jeff. I think Jeff will be back next week to recap what is hopefully a huge Broncos win over those hated Chiefs. But uh, Oh, man. What? You know the last time we beat the Chiefs? It was the Jamar, uh, Jamal Charles fumble at, fumble. at Arrowhead yep. in 2015. It's been a while, so we're due. We are due. We're due. This is our chance. Yep. The players know that. This is our chance. Yep. So, guys, listen to that pregame podcast as well, and then uh, all the other shows that we do as well. Check all that out. Yep. And last thing I got to say is go Broncos. Go Broncos. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm riding on my